Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Deep State Radio. I'm David Rothkopf, and I am in our studio in New York City, and in our tiny studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C. We have stalwarts Rosa Brooks, Associate Dean of the School of Law at Georgetown University and owner of Rosa Brooks's dog, an imaginary creature about which I will get to in a second, and Julia Yaffe of the Atlantic Magazine, also of Julia Yaffe's cat, which I will get to in a second. Welcome to another episode here in the depths of summer. Rosa, before we get to serious matters, I understand your dog has decided to run for president. Oh, my goodness. I was not aware of that, David. (laughs) You know, my dog uh, has a pretty active life uh, that uh, I really have very little control over, it turns out. Can Can I let you in on something? Yes. So this is actually just a spoof by my cat who started a Rose's Dog Super PAC to have your dog run for president. I did see. I'll have a chat with her this evening. To see that my dog was proposing to euthanize Corey's horse, (laughs) and I I had a word with the dog about about its behavior, Uh, but but I wasn't aware that it had a super PAC. Well, it's interesting because I suggest that Julia Yaffe's cat has adopted Russian election management techniques. Where did your cat learn that, Julia? <laughs> well, she is from Moscow. I'll leave it at that. Uh, oh, the cat see. could Very be a plant. She is from Have Moscow. you considered the possibility that the cat is I think is she's a plant. more of a cutout. Or a cutout. A cutout. Yeah. Or I'm the well, cutout. Where, I'm the oh, cutout. Actually, so I'm the cutout, let's be honest. You know, I was just uh, in, a, in a fit of nostalgia for my, my childhood when I read Alistair McLean's Where Eagles Dare. I downloaded it on audiobook. This is set during World War II. It has a great cable car fight scene, which is even better in the movie, needless to say. But it turns out that everybody – Essentially, everybody in the entire book is is a double or triple or quadruple or quintuple agent. Uh, and it made me think that we are living in a hall of mirrors, Julia, and things are not as they seem. Wow. Yeah. That must be very disorienting. It was very disorienting. The dog, the cat, the pastrami sandwich, none of them can be relied upon. It's true. But would you take one of these imaginary animals over the real president of the United States? In a, in a heartbeat, David. <laughs> At least my That's cat is cute. Thing. Well, speaking of cute, Julia, before we get to substantive stuff, I... I Wait, I you're saying my cat is not substantive? She's quite no, chubby, no, actually. Is, your cat is substantive. I'm, re- <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry to suggest otherwise. But, Julia, given how closely you follow uh, your uh, motherland... Uh, I was just wondering if you'd talk to me a little bit about Vladimir Putin's torso. 
<laughs> Vladimir Putin's torso. Is that what you just said, David? Yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Julia, so, this one's all yours. <laughs> so, Why does he f- insist? Why do we have to see it all the time? What's going on? What is it with Russians? Why does he take a shirt You sound off? jealous, well, David. Notice the fact that no one ever wants to see Trump's torso. Not I even know, Melania Trump. I saw Trump. something no. on Twitter. Somebody on Twitter said this is a challenge to the president of the United States to go bare-chested. I don't want to see that. So, okay, the thing is that this is not really for us, although it's a little bit for us. Mostly it's for the Russian population. Just uh, remember, in the fall, uh, in October, Vladimir Putin will turn 65, which is um, a big achievement for a Russian man, most of whom do not get to live to that age, um, which also makes it very convenient when you're trying to off certain people who know about your doping programs or your election meddling programs, you know, that then you can't tell if the 51-year-old man died of a heart attack or of, you know, some kind of spiced tea. So, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what he's showing to his electorate is that he has staying power, he's healthy, he's in good shape. He is um, manly in a way that a lot of Russian men cannot manage to be. Oh, thank you, Rosa, so much for flashing that. At yeah, me. I'm showing. I found the picture. It's he's not in that good shape, Julia. Really. No, but but you have not poor... seen many Russian men that okay. age. You're right. So, You're quite right. And I just yeah, they keep... all look like Sergei Kislyak. Yeah, actually, <laughs> you know, a lot of so Vladimir Putin, unlike a lot of Russian men, does not smoke. He doesn't drink. He exercises. He I mean, of course, he eats well. But let me tell you a story that will put this into perspective. When I was covering the Olympics in Sochi in, in the winter of 2014, I was on one of those little commuter trains around the Olympic Village. And there were two women sitting across the aisle from me, a woman who was probably in her 50s and a woman who was in her 20s. And they were talking about how... Um, terrible America was and how mean the Americans were for making fun of everything at the Russian Olympics as if the Russians can't do anything right. And the younger woman pulled out these magnets of uh, that had photos, photos of uh, Vladimir Putin's previous shirtless stunt, whatever that one was like, N minus one shirtless stunt. Um, and I thought they would you know, laugh about it. But instead, they were like, see, that is a man that is a leader. Unlike this Obama they have with their with his big ears and his like, he's so thin and indecisive. This is a man, this is a leader. Mm -hmm. And this is something Russians come back to again and again. Actually, uh, Natalia Vesilnitska, the lawyer who met with Donald Trump Jr. last June in the Trump Tower, uh, a meeting which is now the subject of various subpoenas, um, she on her Facebook post, uh, on her Facebook photo of, sorry, on her Facebook page posted uh, a video that made fun of how manly Vlad- Vladimir Putin was compared to how weak Obama was. So it was their two workout videos side by side. And it was supposed to show clearly to the audience how much stronger and more virile and more decisive Vladimir Putin was than the dorky weakling Obama with the big ears, which of course has racial undertones, etc. Do you think Vladimir Putin is more virile than Barack Obama? 
I actually thought those pictures of Obama surfing in Hawaii, that he was, he was looking pretty hunky. I just don't want to see their torsos. Can I just say that? Like, I don't want to see Obama's torso. I don't want to see Putin's torso. There were some really disturbing photoshops going around the Russian language internet of um, Putin's naked torso. I'll just leave it at that. There are mm. things that now I can't unsee. <laughs> Uh, well, let's 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 jump from that directly to what you were referring to, which is that apparently uh, there are now subpoenas going out about that meeting, and in fact, Robert Mueller has moved this investigation to an entirely new stage where there are reportedly grand juries going on in Washington D.C., as well as grand juries, I think, going on in, or at least a grand jury going on in Virginia, Rosa. Can you explain to us why we would have multiple grand juries from the same special counsel in different places? Uh, no, actually, I can't. Um, uh, or at least I can't fully explain it. Um, uh, I mean, as as you said, David, there's been an, uh, a grand jury uh, in the federal court, I think, in Alexandria for, for some months now. Um, you need a grand jury to issue subpoenas. Uh, I don't really have a deep enough understanding of exactly how this whole process works to know why it's convenient to move, to to now have a second grand jury impaneled in DC. Uh, I mean, I assume it has to do with sort of jurisdictional niceties of where the various people they're trying to subpoena are, although, well, I don't, I don't understand it well enough to be able to answer it. it. That that being said, I, I, I don't think it's particularly meaningful that they now have another uh, I don't think it suggests that there's some new breakthrough. It, it merely suggests uh, what we already knew, which is that they are they are busily beavering away and continuing. I, I don't think it's some kind of dramatic new development. So they're not two separate. Would... They're not two separate investigations. Two separate cases. I, I thought that's what that meant. I don't. I don't know, but I don't think so. And I don't want to say anything more because I'll start embarrassing myself because I'll start making stuff up and I'll turn out to be wrong. Can I say one thing? Can I just quote the great Please. Alexandra Petri, who tweeted when this was announced, make juries great again? Yes. <laughs> she, by the way, we need to get her on this podcast, David. Uh, she, having gone from the, the style columnist for The Post, has absolutely found her calling as a humor columnist. She is a funny lady. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that, and that that's a that's a that's a very good idea. Um, I read that one of the reasons that they have uh, impaneled a grand jury in Washington is uh, would or could be related to pursuing an obstruction of justice case um, against the White House, and that it took if it took place there, uh, there was an obligation to do that. That's just. You know, something I read. I don't. That know. is that, you, quite possible. You actually, I, despite you're actually the associate dean of a law. I school. am, and and here is the tragedy of it all. I I find I find uh, uh, legal procedure maddeningly boring, and therefore every time I see an article with a headline uh, having something to do with the niceties of the procedural aspects of this, I, I immediately start feeling sleepy and decide to go read something else. So how long before? You know, Putin starts having people killed as a result of all of this, Julia. Or has he it already, already had? I mean, okay, hold on. Let's just. Um, apparently, it seems like he already has um, a bunch of bodies turned up 
um, shortly, like December, January, shortly before Trump's inauguration in Moscow. So, um, and a bunch of people went, and, who, and, a, and, and a bunch of people went to jail, including people from the FSB's uh, cyber cybersecurity, cyber intelligence unit who were accused of, and again, like because the Russian judicial system is so politically dependent on the Kremlin and is so, um, it's just a tool of selective punishment. It's hard to say whether this wasn't, even if the, these guys are convicted of working for the CIA, like being double agents, we don't know if that's actually, we'll, we'll never know if it's actually true. And who who were some of these bodies? Um, uh, one of them, and it, he may not be connected, was the kind of chief of staff of Igor Sechin, the oil czar, um, Russia's Darth Vader, as he's known. Um, he was found dead in a black Lexus. And others were kind of, um, I don't want to say something wrong here because I didn't follow that too closely, but they were somehow... We're being unusually restrained today because yeah. normally we don't let the fear of saying something wrong stop us, but today we're going to be extra but, well, special Well, because careful. like this is, you know, I, I don't want to um, get ahead of the facts here, but there were there were a couple guys who were connected <coughs> to um, the FSB and I believe cyber intelligence who were found dead. Um, and a bunch of hackers were put in jail. Oh, well, I, you know, I mean, you know, across the street from the former offices of foreign policy where I used to work um, is the DuPont Circle Hotel where a Russian mm. died of natural causes, according to the authorities, but maybe not, right? I well, mean, he just naturally fell off a ladder 47 times, you know? Um, that happens. <laughs> that happens to me every time I try to repair the roof. Yeah, uh, while drunk. So, yeah, that I mean, that story when it broke was immediately suspicious, and there was no way that man died a natural death, especially, uh, especially when the coroner, coroner's report said that he had died a, of blood for, blunt force trauma to the head, the neck, the trunk, the arms, the legs. And then they were like, "Yeah, he died." That was a nasty. Causes. That was a nasty fall. I, I so, um, <laughs> BuzzFeed actually reported. I believe I, I can't keep track of the weeks anymore, um, either because this administration is providing us with too many, too much news, or because I'm turning into my own cat and I have no sense of time um, and its continuity. But um, BuzzFeed reported either last week or the week before that. Um, FBI agents say that uh, the room he was staying in at the DuPont Circle Hotel was actually paid for by the Justice Department and that he had a meeting to talk with the Justice Department the next day. He never made it because he died of natural causes, of course. Um, the the and, 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 and the of course the supposition being that he was going to cooperate with the feds and that the Russians offed him and this is what various FBI officials have been suggesting to BuzzFeed reporters which I, to me very much passes the smell test I think when I first heard of the of the death I immediately thought he was killed and I immediately thought the Russians want us to know that he was killed because usually they're much more, you know, they use some kind of weird hard to trace poison. They make things a little bit more ambiguous here. It was just, you know, they beat the shit out of him. 
um, and left him for dead. And, you know, they wanted everyone to know that we did it. The question is why our, why the American side, the American legal system and criminal justice system, why they're sweeping it under the rug? So, well, this raises an interesting question. And the question is, going forward, what's the Russian game here? Now, we have a couple of interesting you know, developments recently beyond the Mueller development, uh, one of which is you know, Rex Tillerson weirdly has said that we're going to get back to the Russians by the 1st of September with our reaction to them kicking 755 people out of our embassy, which is actually substantially more than the number of Americans who work in our embassy. Uh, which is, I you know, I've never seen anything like this. This is the administration saying, yeah, this thing happened and we'll get back to you a month or five weeks after it happened. Um, but it raises the question, are the Russians really angry? Are they trying to make Trump look bad? Or are they, as, you know, a bunch of killings and other things might be, trying to protect uh, and cover up all of this stuff? Uh, because they like the idea of having influence within the White House. And Trump has been nothing if not a defender of the Russians, even when it seemed inconceivable that an American leader could do it. So what's what's the Russian game here? I think it's to show strength. They can't uh, – look, they, they should have responded in uh, December or January right after Barack Obama – issued those sanctions and expelled 35 Russian diplomats who were apparently spies and seized those two compounds who were which were also allegedly just used for intelligence gathering. Um, they were asked not to retaliate by then um, tra- Trump transition official General Mike Flynn um, saying that you know we'll take care of it essentially don't don't you know freak out now. And the Russians had been in negotiations with the Trump State Department over those over those two compounds in the U.S., and they reached a stalemate. And the fact that Russia had to retaliate had to be told was told to retaliate later, and then never got what they were promised. They had to make up. Like a lot of this is about uh, saving face and going back to the naked torso pictures about projecting strength. Uh, especially when it comes to um, dealing with the U.S., which is obviously so much stronger than the Russians. So you have to, in some ways, make up for the delay of having been— So, so let me ask a For, a for having been strung, strung along, I essentially. Mean, this is very much like the, the torso pictures. Who's the, who's the audience for this? I mean, is, is this—is the— do you think that Putin is thinking to himself that'll show Congress, or do you think Putin doesn't really care? Doesn't really care that there aren't even 750 U.S. citizen employees at the various uh, embassies and consulates of Russia, and that he's really trying to send a message to domestic constituencies? So, sort of, is all of the above? I think it's mostly mostly for domestic consumption um, to show that we're strong. I mean. Vladimir Putin went on national TV and gave an interview about this when this was announced. Uh, he announced essentially he announced this move himself, which is something he doesn't usually do. And what he said about it was interesting. He said, "We can't just let one country throw its weight around, and we can't let them constantly disrespect us. Um, at some point, we have to stop stop them and say enough. You can't just be rude to us all the time." 
So it was couched in those terms of respect and saving face and showing strength. Um, the problem is that probably most of the people who will lose their jobs will be Russian citizens yeah. who will lose a very good and very steady paycheck. And some of those Russian citizens are also eyes for Russian intelligence inside the Russian embassy. I'm sorry, the American embassy in Russia. So it's not the smartest move exactly. I mean, it's also the joke in Russia is, you know, if the Americans do something to us, let's get back at them by bombing Voronezh, which is a city in like middle Russia, just like a kind of nothing city. Like the other thing they're uh, apparently considering doing in, in terms of retaliation against the U.S. is banning the import of American-made HIV medication, which is, you know, that'll show the Americans because the Russians have insane, insane levels of HIV infection. Um, so they, they constantly do things like this that don't necessarily hurt us but hurt them more. Um, part of it is also, you know, the Russians also really seized on Trump's signing statement and on his little – his public statement where he said that this was unconstitutional and that he blamed Congress for the souring of relations with Russia as opposed to the Russians um, where he said it was a terrible bill. The Russians all took that and ran with it. Every Russian official who has a Twitter account or a Facebook page including former Russian president Dmitry Medvedev um, – said, you know, look, this is a terrible bill. Even even the president says it's a terrible bill. Um, but they're just they just won't let him live. They're tying his hands. They won't let him um, you know, do business with us just because Americans are crazy and they hate Russians for no reason. They just have this Russophobia as it's as it's called in Russia. So they're they're also they don't really know what to do with this too. But Medvedev said something interesting in his Facebook post. He said, "This is the end of our hope for the for this administration," which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why do you think that's interesting? Because the the sense I was getting from Russians I talked to was that there was still some hope that things will kind of die down and if they could just get Trump and Putin to meet face to face, Putin would lay on the compliments and the same thing would happen that happened with Xi Jinping and Jens Stoltenberg, the secretary general of NATO, that once he met with them and kind of there was some kind of personal chemical bond established between the two leaders that things would kind of finally shift into gear and they'd start moving. Uh, the sanctions, which were passed basically against Trump's will, showed the Russians that that's going to be much harder to do than they think. At the same time, you have – I mean this administration is so uncoordinated in its policy as this is happening and, and as Tillerson is telling the Russians that they really undermined America's trust and really spoiled the relationship between the American people and the Russian people, he also wants to scrub – democracy promotion from the State Department's mission, and he doesn't want to use the funds that have been al already allocated to the State Department by Congress to counter Russian propaganda. So I don't know. If I were a Russian, I'd be very confused and then would quickly turn <laughs> yes. it into like really elaborate <laughs> We're conspiracy all theories. So join the club, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, first of all, what do you mean by if I were a Russian? Um, since, you know, you came to this country. You Julia, know, you are a Russian. I'm yeah. pretty, of, ask any of. Russian who knows me, I'm very American. Um, <laughs> yes. And I don't understand. She, she might be one of those quintuple agents along with her cat. And I, the I, sandwich, I, I so. already told you I'm a cutout for my cat. Yeah. Who is the yeah. true yeah. Russian Well, that's agent. interesting. But but what if the cat is a double agent? Well, um, that's what I makes mean, this all have, so confusing. Well, she's probably a triple agent because she has three colors. I'm going to see <gasps> myself out now. <laughs> wow. wow. But I, I do. Incredible. I mean, I, I do think, I mean, maybe this is a non-question, right? I, I, I was going to say, what do the Russians really want? But maybe that's a non-question. Maybe asking what Vladimir Putin really wants is kind of like asking what Donald Trump really wants. And Donald Trump doesn't really know what Donald Trump really wants, except that he wants everybody to love him. And he wants to be important. And he wants to feel powerful. And he wants to be special, special and beloved. And and maybe the question, what does Putin really want? He also want? wants to ride in trucks and scream. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's the answer to the question, what does Putin really want? Maybe Putin doesn't doesn't care much one way or the other long term what happens to the relationship with the U.S. that Putin's game is also Trump-like uh, simply to be beloved and admired and everything else is sort of secondary. But 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 do, do we think that that's – is Putin concerned solely about Putin and Putin's image and Putin's wealth and Putin's friends and Putin power and Putin's personal no. power, or do you think that there is a long game here in terms of Russia still still believing that there is some particular set of objectives that Russia is more likely to achieve by expelling U.S. diplomats, by playing the various games that they've been playing, uh, by sort of kind of continuing to prop up Donald Trump if they can, et cetera. So I think I think the Russians have uh, a very kind of long-term goal, which is making Russia great again and doing that by undermining American influence, which uh, – Putin very clearly laid out at a speech at the 2007 Munich Security Council where he said a unipolar world uh, that emerged from the Cold War where America calls all the shots has not been good for anybody, including the U.S. And his goal has always been to throw sand in the gears um, of American foreign policy decisions and to expand Russia's influence and to kind of restore it. Uh, and then there's like the short-term actions like uh, hobbling a Hillary Clinton presidency and all, a lot of these short-term actions don't really get them the result they want or get them a, a, very, a kind of unpredictable result. For example, there is no Hillary Clinton presidency. Uh, there is a uh, – a Trump presidency, which the Russians right, certainly didn't news. expect. They're Good news they're and very bad news. they're very conspiratorial, and they believe, like everybody, that you know the establishment and the powers that be had already ordained Hillary president, and that the election, like the voting, was just pro forma. So they didn't anticipate Trump being in power, and then he was in power, and they thought, okay, great, he's going to lift not just the sanctions Obama put in place, but uh, the the 2014 sanctions. Oh, okay, well, he can't do that. And now it turns out that our meddling has unified a completely ununifiable Congress. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, there's a lot of blowback. So yeah, they, they tend yeah. to. Um, so they have a conspiracy, but they're just executing it. No, badly. it's like, no, they have a very, what? a very like 30,000 foot goal. 
And then they do very like the sh- very short term things that don't always play out right. For mm-hmm. example, Crimea, right, which I we can talk about later. Right. But like there's but then there's a huge gap in the middle, which is like. Strat- mm-hmm. actual strategy and implementation and, and planning, which well, I they're think not great at. You know, one of the things to take away from this, which is useful, because I think it's misrepresented in the press, is that Putin and the Russians are these kind of 12-foot-tall masterminds, and we are their puppet and toys. No. And, of course, what this is saying is, no, they've got it screwed up. And now, having said that, just as the results they're getting are kind of a mixed bag, mm-hmm. um, they're still a mixed bag, and you know they're getting something in Syria. They're not getting beaten up for some of what they've done. They're still getting defended by the administration. And I think one of the things that reflects their recognition of this as a mixed bag, because you mentioned the Medvedev comment, but um, you, simultaneously we've had a number of stories in the past week about um, Russian bots and Russian, uh, you know, internet actors uh, going after H.R. McMaster, or today, even the day that we're taping this, which is a little bit uh, is which is on Monday. Uh, I, I just noticed that there was something saying that there was a fifteen thousand percent increase in the number of Russian bots. Attacking Senator Blumenthal, hmm. picking up on Donald Trump's attack wow. on on Senator Blumenthal, which they on totally should morning. focus on Richard Blumenthal because he is in fact the true mastermind of the anti-Trump, anti-Russia campaigns. Little known fact. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, no, no, that's the totally bizarre thing about all these Trump attacks on Blumenthal is that he's obsessed with this character who is essentially powerless. It's a very strange obsession. Well, he's not powerless, but he's not. It's pretty close. I mean, he's. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. That that seems Russian. You just, you know, you kind of, um, you jump on, on these small things, the latest things, and they, yeah. um, they're kind of amplifiers. Like, it's not the Russians that decided they hate H.R. McMaster, just like it's not the Russians who gave us Donald Trump and Roger Ailes and Fox News. They're kind of amplifying things that we ourselves are creating. Yeah, so they're trying. They're looking around. They're wandering around America. They look like Carrie Russell and her husband. And they're going, oh, look, this is something we could use against the Americans. And they pick it up and they try to beat us with it. And then if that doesn't work, they find something else. But they're using our own garbage against us. Well, I don't. I just don't agree that it's garbage. I think saying that it's garbage plays into the Russian narrative, which is that any um, the Russians are obsessed with unity, being like a collectivist culture. Um, so Putin's party is called United Russia. Votes in the parliament have to be as unanimous as possible. Like they're obsessed with unanimity. And they see any kind of political fighting, um, any kind of political friction as a sign of weakness, whereas I think it's a sign of strength that indicates a diversity of opinion. It indicates that institutions are working as they were or close to how they were designed to what they were designed to do. Um, I don't think this is necessarily garbage. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. You mentioned Roger Ailes and Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And, oh, know, yes. Okay. You know, Fair. I was like, I was like, okay. Well, that's those aren't uh, you know the best examples of what's going on in America right now, uh, and some of the divisions and some of the things that they pick up on are, 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 
our parent weaknesses that we've got. Um, and they've got a real eye for them. I mean, there was a story in the past couple of days that there was a FISA warrant out for uh, Carter Page several years ago. Carter Page, who has to be one of the most marginal, irrelevant figures in the U.S. Uh, foreign policy community writ large. Right? Where did you see this, David? Oh, um, uh, you know, one of those sources, one of those reliable sources <laughs> on Twitter or something like that. Um, but uh, it seemed credible-ish to me. I mean, it mm. wasn't what's her name. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the real maniac websites of that guy Scott Borkin or what's her name Louise Mensch or whatever. What's what's her name? That maniac woman who's out there frothing at the mouth all the time about this. Uh Louise um, Mensch. Yeah. Yeah, but but it wasn't one of them. It was it was a it seemed like a fairly credible. Um, site and I sort of filed that away. Um, well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting as it unfolds. One of the things that makes it interesting is that, um, you know, the U.S. White House and the U.S. State Department, for the most part, aren't taking a tough stance on this. But interestingly, in the past couple of days, perhaps in response to this, McMaster's been fairly tough. Uh, you know, McMaster, in his interview with Hugh Hewitt the other day, was like, yeah, Russia's doing this and they keep doing it and they're a problem. And 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 there does seem to be a kind of a worm turning. The Congress has turned against it. You know, if you want to appear independent minded in the in the in the Trump administration, you speak a different story. Um, I wonder if at a certain point it gets so intensely bad that the Russian strategy changes and they just say, let's blow this thing up and move on mm. to the next thing. Yeah. What do you mean, let's blow this thing up? Because they actually could blow this whole thing up. Well, I mean, you know, I mean Trump. I mean, mm -hmm. abandon you know, Trump. Abandon Trump. Narrative. Wash their hands of him completely. Just essentially. Wouldn't that stop. be great, though? It, it. Well, that's an interesting question. No, but but I, I think that's right. And this is something I've always wondered: is at what point do they start seeing this as? Uh, you know, to, to what extent do they think our sole goal is sort of confusion to our enemies and and everything we do that that just creates creates chaos is good and therefore we don't worry about being particularly consistent. It doesn't really matter. We don't have to be consistent. We're just trying to create chaos. And so, in fact, inconsistency is fine. Versus versus, to what extent are they thinking? No. You know, we, we we really we we really want to try to prop Trump up as much as we can because we think he's our friend. And does that at some point shift to this guy is a useless idiot or, and or he is not actually our friend and or we can't control him and we want to start undermining him rather than propping him up? Well, it seems like that it seems like they are also starting to turn with the sanctions bill and the fact that he couldn't stop it from passing. Um, you know, Medvedev saying our hope for this administration is gone. I mean, he I don't think he's impacted. I don't think he is empowered to determine whether or not that hope is gone, but I think it's a sign of what's being talked about in the Kremlin um, or the message they want to send, which is, you know, we thought we were electing a strong man, but how strong is how strong are you, man? If you we uh, haven't seen his torso, if, oh, thank God! If you can't, <laughs> if you can't buck the kind of the strictures of the vehemently anti-Russian Washington establishment and and do your thing. Um, I think they're starting to lose – it seems like they're starting to lose patience with him as not so much an 
idiot but as useless who just mm-hmm. who just is being tied down by the establishment and is unable to buck them. <coughs> well, when does when, I mean I guess that raises a question which can be the final question of this particular podcast, but the question is when does the useful idiot Trump become a useless idiot for the Russians? At what point would they say, okay, it's better to just sow chaos, undermine the United States, and throw this guy under the bus? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe six more months of this, a year more of this. I don't know. I mean, Lord help me, predicting anything in this administration is... um, even even more of a you know a trap than it than predicting politics in Russia usually is. Yeah, well, I certainly wasn't going to suggest you predict something in this administration uh, because they work so hard. You know, they're tweeting out from their golf course in New Jersey throughout this week saying <laughs> we are hard working, we are doing important do work th- here in New Jersey. Who do you think they're going to behead this week? Doesn't he have to the- eliminate one person per week? Right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm Is just that the rules that you vote somebody the, off the island. Yeah. I just want to see what the White House looks like after this renovation. You think you think we're going to have gold the toilets? Exactly. Well, Trump is alleging that the yeah. you know he's just forced to vacate, not because he wants to go on vacation, but because of much needed renovations. Yeah, uh, I saw that. So he's like a refugee right now. Um, a refugee he had to take refuge to golf course, and uh, uh, I'm I'm dying to know what these renovations are going to look like. Are they real? Well, I, I think mean, that's one probably possibility. really that's probably really easy to verify, right? No, no, I think they really are doing something. I think that I think that as Trump uh, informed us uh, in a tweet uh, not too long ago, though the White House is kind of a dump compared to what he's mm-hmm, used to, mm-hmm. and so uh, clearly they felt that they needed to upgrade things a little right. bit to the standards of a of a Trump. But maybe maybe it's just what we think it is, which is onion domes and a like a steam bath, like in Eastern Promises. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, you could see Trump there in a towel in a steam bath with Viggo Mortensen. I really don't want to see that though. Tattoo. I just because they weren't in even in towels, so I really don't want to see that. <laughs> I see. I see. You've seen Eastern Promises. I have. It matters. It matters a lot to you. And, you know, this goes back to a comment we made a couple of weeks ago, which is that Viggo Mortensen is older than Mike Pence, which I find confusing and disorienting and, and, a, and a rather like Jay-Z being older than Paul Ryan. It's it's troubling. I don't, it doesn't really work for me. Um, uh, but, you know, the other hand, Vladimir Putin is much younger than Donald Trump and more virile and catches really big fish. So that's you know. Uh, See the it, it's th- the joke. The joke in Russia was that one of the fish that Putin caught on that trip that he has now appointed him a, a deputy governor of the region. <laughs> um, you know he's. This, I gotta say, this is the thing I like about Russia. There is usually a joke in Russia. Mm-hmm. There's you know Julia when you come on. Typically, if you've come back, you have like jokes from Russia. Russian Russians jokes. make jokes. Oh, they make the best Amer- jokes. The Americans don't make political jokes. We, oh, yeah, you know, you know, a Trump, a priest, and a rabbi walk into a bar. I haven't heard that joke. <laughs> Wait, I mean... <laughs> oh, the Russians have those jokes, too. They're just d- slightly dirtier they, but, and darker. 
Yeah, well, we should devote a whole episode of this to. We're the, doing to okay. Russian this has been pretty good for late night TV. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I see. That's true. Late night TV has done better. Trump has been good. John Oliver is really outraged. Seth Meyers really scathing. Jimmy Fallon is really confused. I don't think he actually gets what's going on. Um, I don't think he's keeping up with it as much as the other guys are. Um, but when James Corden gets Vladimir Putin into his car and they do carpool karaoke together, famous <laughs> Russian songs, I, you know, I think then I'm, then I'm really, then I'm going to be hooked. That is going to be viral. Um, folks, I'm afraid this brings us to the end of this particular uh, lazy summer episode of Deep State Radio, uh, a chance to explore the current state of things with Russia. Come back a little bit later in the week, and we'll hear a little bit more about Rose's dog's campaign for president, uh, Julia's cat's um, uh, masterminding of this. Julia, jo- Julia Yaffe's cat is, is the Kellyanne Conway of this, apparently. Um, sorry, it's probably hey. an unfair thing, unfair thing to say about a cat. Um, and, uh, and we will also talk about what's going on in the rest of the world. So thank you, uh, Julia, and thank you, Rosa. And please come back in a day or two for another episode of Deep State Radio. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.